You're listening to Hey Doc, the show for and by people passionate about healthy living. Hosted by Dr. Bridger Cutler and Dr. Caleb Valdez, two chiropractors seeking to make the world a healthier place. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Hey Doc Health Topics. I'm your, your co-host, Dr. Cutler. I got my other co-host with me, Dr. Valdez. And we are going to finish up our birth series here. Okay, today we're going to talk about postpartum care. All right, and this is something that we've we've mentioned a lot of different things about, and I really want to get into uh, recommendations and different tips and tricks, especially we're going to be hearing a lot from Dr. Valdez because he is the resident authority on this, and uh, very excited to hear what he has to say about it. So, I mean, first of all, um, I, I, I want to know about, like, what is the typical advice you're going to, like, when someone asks about getting adjusted after pregnancy? Like, what do you say? Yeah, that's a really common question. A lot of moms say, well, how soon after birth can I get adjusted? And I'd love to tell them, hey, you can get adjusted during birth, like during delivery. I've made hospital calls. I've done house visits and things just during labor and delivery. Your pelvis is moving. Your back is um, probably needing a little tune-up. And so we can do that. Um, I can show husband a couple different positions, and we usually do if he comes to visits prenatally. Um, so ways you can just give counter pressure and sacral pressure to kind of help mom feel a little bit of rest and, and support between contractions. So every birth is different. Every mom is different, you know, depending on the situation. But there's never too short of a waiting period after that. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, so when it, when it comes to, we've talked a lot about like planning out your, your pregnancy and planning out, planning out the pregnancy, planning out the, just the birth process. Uh, how important is it to plan out the postpartum process? That's huge. And I think a lot of moms put a lot of emphasis on the pre-planning stuff and then baby's here and it's like, oh no, now what? Like, yeah. we have a really cute little nursery that we spent all this time <laughs> painting, um, you know, but did anybody meal prep some freezer meals or, you know, what are we doing with that? So uh, definitely plan for a good postpartum before it gets there. And that doesn't always include all the Instagram cutesy stuff that we, we think it's going to. Um, real quick, just right up front, I want to say that we're going to be talking about some pretty sensitive, emotionally charged territory here. We're obviously two guys. We, we don't speak from experience, but we do speak from a lot of clinical authority. I've taken care of a lot of you patients out there. Um, we're very compassionate and sympathetic about this, but we're going to be talking about some things that could potentially be some emotional triggers. Um, and that's okay. I just want to invite everybody listening to please forgive the previous versions of yourself that didn't know what you know now. Don't let your past intimidate you because yeah, some, and I know some of you listeners out there have been through some horrible medical interventions and, and really awful situations that you didn't plan for and nobody plans for or wants. But this is part of the healing process, and we want to get some information out there in your hands to encourage you next time and hopefully give you some resources going forward that will, will help make that transition from uh, pregnancy to postpartum a little bit easier for you. Yeah, I hope this is not, I hope this never sounds like we're trying to tell you what we've done wrong or what you've, you've messed up before. Like, we just, we want to put the information out there as best we can. And again, like both guys have gone through the process. Um, I mean, been there for a lot of people that have, but just just an understanding that we just want to give you as much help as we can. And, and really, I mean, the underlying thing is just give you the tools because this is your decision. This is your, your process. Um, I, I recently had a friend who, who um, got pregnant and 
I mean, all I could do was just be so excited for it because it was like, this is the coolest thing. Like you're a superhero. This is the coolest thing in the entire world. Like you get to make a child right now. This is amazing. Yeah. And it made me so excited for her that she got to go through that process. And it made me love this whole process even more. Yeah. And I mean, us talking about it is just 100% from that, that clinical aspect of it, um, wanting to, to put information because so much of the information out there is, this is the only way to do it. This is the best way to do it. And really, it's the same thing when it comes to other topics. There's no best one way for everybody. And you're going to get conflicting information. This is just two people's opinion that we're, we're sharing based on our experience and a lot of years doing this. But if you hit conflicting information or something doesn't sit with you, trust your mom gut. Um, talk to your spouse. Go inward and, and trust yourself more than any, you know, Instagram influencers, anybody out there. Even if it's, they're the crunchiest, most holistic people that you resonate with, or they could be the most medically minded, you know, expert in their field based on all the research person. Um, at the end of the day, those are outside voices and you should not be outsourcing any part of this experience to another human being. You are the best person for that baby. And, and this is totally your journey. We're just here to support and not to judge. This whole thing is hard enough without moms and doctors piling on from other directions and telling you what you're doing wrong. So just trust yourself and, and trust your body. Because if there's one thing that I'm certain of, it's that nature did not mess up in any part of this process. And, and I believe in the power of birth and that you, mom, are the best person to make these decisions for that baby. As scary as that may be, um, that's your job now. And we're so excited for you because you're going to love all this. Yeah. And, and one, of the, one of the statements that Dr. Valdez has said to me is the, the power that, births the, that builds the baby births the baby. So just remember, like, you, you helped build the baby. You are also that power. You are the power that's going to birth it as well. And you're the power that's going to keep it healthy. And uh, I mean, that's the goal is that, and that's what we want to get into today, how to keep you healthy. Um, so first topic that is very much a hot topic, very emotional for a lot of people, postpartum depression. Um, I mean, how can chiropractic help with postpartum depression? Like, what would you say to that? Uh, the comforting thing about that is it, it is based on natural laws we, we can predict it in some cases we can manage it it can be cured quote unquote if that's what it is um, when we say postpartum a lot of people just jump to postpartum depression and i've had that experience where i'm talking to patients i'm saying postpartum this and postpartum that she thought that i was talking about depression the entire time I'm like no this just means after the baby's here yeah. like postpartum is just after birth literally so let's let's plan for a healthy postpartum a fourth trimester Chiropractic is great at getting the neurology and the endocrinology connected with that whole system. So there's a lot of things that happen during a very medically intervention heavy birth that disrupts that system from happening the way it's supposed to. Um, hormone levels, basically what we do during the medical intervention directly contradicts what the hormones should be doing during natural birth. And as a result, the body either thinks that it lost a baby or that it, it did something wrong because uh, when certain hormone levels are supposed to rise, we're shutting them down. When certain things are supposed to happen, we're interrupting and disconnecting that system so much. So chiropractic is the science of reconnecting that system. Um, midwifery and, and a doula-assisted you know, assisted birth is all about what can go right with that. And so chiropractors, of, of all people, we study natural birth and healthy birth. Let the OBs worry about the pathology of birth, the medical diagnosis of pregnancy, the you know, surgical intervention of delivery. 
Um, but if you're looking for what can go right, chiropractic is totally your your jam. Absolutely. No, I love that. I mean, that's such a such a good point right there. Such a strong point. And I mean, you, you talked about endocrinology and how uh, chiropractic can affect endocrinology as well. Um, I, I don't think many people know about how connected your brain is to the hormones in your body. And I'll just, just quick anatomy lesson, physiology lesson. I mean, we talked about the pituitary gland. You have the two, um, the two low or the, we call them like the divisions. There you go. I mean, two lobes. Two lobes. Yeah. So there's two, there's two parts to this, this organ, this endocrine organ in your brain, um, this is attached to your brain called your pituitary gland. Okay. And that's responsible for sending out a lot of the, the pro hormones and the signaling hormones that help to, to kind of regulate different things and stimulate the secretion of and creation of other hormones inside your body. Um, so that neural hypothesis is, is one of the parts of that pituitary gland. Neuro being it's connected to your brain. It is stimulated by the brain. So the, the creation of these hormones is directly related to, uh, I mean, your nervous system. And we need to recognize that it's very integrally and intimately connected. And so, especially after birth, being able to have that reconnected, because so much of what we do is detaching our body from, from our nervous system, uh, it can make just huge differences on the recovery that you're going to have, as well as the baby's recovery too, because you think about the connection that a mom has with the baby, um, especially hormonally. Mm-hmm. I mean, getting hormones where they're supposed to be is going to be huge for so many aspects of it. And sadly, I think a lot of babies are coming out and they're addicted to cortisol and stress hormones and, you know, adrenaline and things like that, because that's what mom has just been bathing in these stress hormones for entire pregnancy. So baby comes out and it's like, whatever's been chasing us for the last nine months, like, let me out. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. Let's run away. Let's not poop. Let's not sleep. Let's like try to eat as little as we can. So we've seen Nacho Libre. For, for all those who bother, Nacho Libre, you know, little demon things that attack Nacho Libre, <laughs> come down like one of those things, just like ridiculously strong and just ready to go. Yes. No, let's not have that. <laughs> let's have these little Zen Buddha babies that just pop out. They want to sleep and poop and not much else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, yeah. They should be in parasympathetic mode. And sadly, what we're doing in birth is putting mom in this hyper fight or flight mode and then she stays there and baby gets She's so stressed out the entire time and a lot of the epidurals that we use have fentanyl in them and so baby is literally a lot of these symptoms are withdrawal from fentanyl that babies are going through because they're detoxing those drugs out of their system they're craving more of it of the painkillers that they got from birth and i just that kills me i think babies are entitled to a sober birth they should have that connection with mom it should be a spiritual connection and and we've we've just lost so much of that in how we medicalized this whole process. We've taken all the sacred things. That's a really good line right there that babies are entitled to a sober birth. Yeah. Entitled to to come into this world and not have to deal with withdrawal. Right. From uh well withdrawal. I mean you think about how hard it is for adults to, to withdraw from certain things like yeah. that. If you're giving that to a baby, yeah. One of the very first things that a baby's body gets exposed to is this drug. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, coming off of that's just got to be such a rough entry into the world. Yeah. And I've, I've been on the other end of the spectrum. You know, just last week I was with a, a dear friend who just passed. And I've seen all different types of deaths as well. And some of them are highly medicated. And the person is just so out of it as well. Um, and other ones are just natural and peaceful. And, you know, and the body shuts down in the way that it's supposed to. 
And so we get to choose how we come into this world and how we go out of it. Maybe not when, um, particularly, but we know that a baby's coming within this time frame. Why are we so bent on having it be at this time and this hour and in the way that we need to? You know, it should be at a station this for this long. And, and we're so obsessed with controlling every aspect of it. And really, the only gas in the brake that we have is this Pitocin, you know, it's yeah. just pushing Sinotech, trying to get this baby yeah. into the world. And I'm like, that's the only gas we have. And we don't have a break. And if it all just goes off the road, then let's just cut them open and take them out. Well, there's a lot better way to do that. And, and we've kind of hashed that, I guess, in the last episode. But those are my thoughts on that. <laughs> so, I mean, very, very good point mm -hmm. you made there. So overall, when it comes to PTS, I mean, to, to post PDD. Yeah. To, um, oh, you get PTSD basically. Right. Pretty, pretty much. PBD. Yeah. Postpartum depression. Postpartum depression. Um, when it comes to that, like having a positive outlook is going to make a huge difference, right? It is. Focusing on, and and if you can, if you can apply some of the, the tips and tools that Dr. Valdez has talked about, um, ideally it's really going to help mitigate any sort of PPD that's that's going to happen yeah. there. It's important to note too that PPD is, is more than just thinking positive, you know, and it's, it's more than just depression because there are hormonal and clinical reasons for it. We don't understand clinical depression to the level that we really should understand PPD. And so when we tell moms, oh, you just have to think happy. You just need to go for a walk. You just let me take your baby. We're doing all these things well-intentioned. Those are actually like the last things that mom needs is to be separated from her infant or to be told to just think happy thoughts and things. There, there are hormonal um, aspects to this that we, we can treat first and foremost. And, and part of that is just recognizing that PPD can be caused by PTSD, basically, from a traumatic birth. Traumatic um, if anybody is doing something to you medically without informed consent and your permission or your desire, that's that's borderline sexual assault in this arena because that doctor should be asking your permission and explaining why and the, the drawbacks and the you know the the trade-offs the risks the benefits and that doesn't happen very often and and I've had cases where moms come in and they describe what amounts to medical rape or medical malpractice um, to the level that this is you know that anything related to that experience triggers very similar PTSD you know, um, because she, she was not part of this informed consent. So that's a big portion that can happen. And that just comes down to having good conversations with your OB, making sure that all of that is, is that there's that trust, that patient relationship of, of rapport and trust beforehand, and that they're allowing, um, your voice to be heard throughout that process. So, um, also, we talked about it could be kind of the side effect of those labor drugs, kind of detoxing from that kind of stuff. Um, immediately after birth, our culture, for some reason, wants to take baby away and basically make them property of the U.S. government. They fingerprint them. They give them a social security number. They prick their heel, test their blood. They do all of that stuff away from mom. There's no reason mom should ever be separated from her baby. And that isolation is what drives a lot of that postpartum depression because that oxytocin rush doesn't happen like it should and so that's a that's a huge factor and as much as we think that we're helping mom by taking that baby away she needs that baby there to feel connected and to feel that baby needs her and absolutely yeah it goes both ways i think there's probably some some sort of like there's probably some some ppd that comes for the baby too yeah some, some traumatic i mean the separation right when you're born separation from your mother it's got to be very traumatic. Yeah. Can you imagine what that little person's going through? Like, like this, 
It's this thing that just pushed me out of this body. Like, I want to be with it. <laughs> that's all I've known. Uh, that's all I've known. That's all I want to know right now. Could you imagine if you're just like shot out of planet Earth? Like, yeah, like completely different, you know. Just just craziness right there. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about after pregnancy. Oh, what should the dad expect? What should the dad do? What can the dad do to help in that situation? Um, there's a lot of things that we've talked about through pregnancy and, and even delivery that dad can help with. But post-delivery, dad is kind of the gatekeeper and should be there to always advocate for mom and baby to be together wherever possible. Um, he is going to have his own oxytocin experience, you know, as he goes through this process, but it's very different in the male. Um, men can participate in that kangaroo care. I'm a huge advocate of that. Have dad take off his shirt, put that little person right on his chest. Baby's going to be a little bit, you know, it's not the same thing like on a hairy random person for a little bit, but that will start that bonding between baby and dad a lot sooner there too. Um, and I'm a huge advocate of just having the, the family, the triad, or at least the dyad, just be sleeping in the same place for as long as they need to recover. Um, and dad should be at those lactation consultant, you know, visits, make sure that mom's supply is coming in, that she's fed and watered and, and kept. Um, and he should be the gatekeeper at the door to keep watered. <laughs> yes. Make sure that she's nice and staying green and not dried out the pasture. <laughs> No, and he should keep crazy Aunt Linda at bay, you know, like, hey, we love you. Thanks for coming by with the ninth casserole and an offer to hold this baby. I know you're excited, but mom has expressed this. Everyone doesn't want to be the bad person telling everybody to leave her alone, but that's my be how she's be the bad guy. Yeah, you got to take one for the team, guys. Okay, it's time for you to fuck up. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You did this to her. <laughs> Got to take some ownership and maybe he's taken over social media for a while. You know, maybe that is something that is overwhelming. Maybe it's important to mom. So talk about that. Be like, how much of this are we going to share with the world and how much are we just going to have to ourselves? I would highly recommend that that first hour after delivery, don't worry about the socials. Like don't even take pictures. You don't, yeah, that baby looks like a pink potato. I mean, it's cute. We're happy it's there, but just have that time to be together and that's okay because there's so much more that is, setting up the stage for a transition into postpartum right after that birth happens yeah. that we don't need to be TikTok. I think we, we think about how much stress comes into social media period, just in our regular lives. Yeah. Uh, I mean, adding that onto an already stressful situation. I mean, hopefully the birth was not very stressful. Hopefully we're able to make it a, an amazing experience, but adding social media stress on the getting the right pictures, getting right things, make sure mom has her makeup done, whatever it is that you're going to go through. Yeah. That's, that's a lot more stress that's added on a situation that we already want to be trying to mitigate stress. Right. And I think that can be a difficult thing. But then again, I mean, different things are going to be important to different people. Um, but for the most part, just nationwide, just try and give yourself a break. Yeah. Allow yourself to enjoy that moment and really savor it. Mm-hmm. I think another really important thing that dad can do is um, understand the expectations of mom from a societal standpoint and what dad is expecting her to be and do and, and be like after birth is they're not always realistic. And I think sometimes it's fueled by, you know, expectations from the past or maybe, um, you know, fantasies based in pornography or something, but that body has just gone through a huge trauma and it needs time to heal and things just aren't going to be, she's not going to be feeling sexy and beautiful for a long time. And that's okay. Um, it's your job to remind her that she is 
and then to step back and give her time and space to figure that part of herself out again. And I think dads, that's probably the, it's the hardest thing to tell you exactly how to do that because you know your wife, but that's, that's where you can help the most is in, um, in, in supporting and managing those expectations postpartum. So does that make sense? I, Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. I, mean, that okay? I think that's a very difficult thing to talk about. Yeah. It's a very touchy subject for both people, for both the mom and the dad. Right. Because I mean, guys, we're just raging hormone machines that just, yeah. I mean, if you're recovering well, if you're, if you're taking all the tips and tricks that we've talked about, uh, in our previous episodes about maximizing recovery, you are just ready to go all the time. Yeah. Um, and you're going to expect the household to run like it has been while she was mobile, um, you know, or not tethered to a little person. And I think so much that just comes down to communication and yeah. just setting expectations, setting roles, being like, hey, honey, my job is to feed the baby. Your job is to go pick up the groceries or drop off the kids yeah. and babysitters, whatever that is. And just communication is so key. And when you add communication with some of the information we're going to share here about just the physiology of postpartum human life, um, things get that much better. So have those tough conversations now. Um, and that way they're not quite so heated at 2 a.m. when you're trying to decide whose job is what. Because um, that, that's just a recipe for, for some contention. So. Yeah. so, I mean, planning planning is definitely key here. And talking about it before it happens too. Yeah. Communication is always going to be so much better when you have a plan in place. And we understand that, I mean, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face or until you get a child out of your vagina. But uh, at least having a plan that you can go to and kind of just use as a reference will, will make a big difference, especially for dad, because dads just need to be told, um, like, what do I do? <laughs> right. So, um, I mean, how 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 long should dad and mom expect for it to be like? What's a do you have like a, a number for how long they should wait? Typically. Um, that varies from families and cultures and kind of expectations. Obviously employment is going to be a factor with that. Hopefully mom is in a position where she can work from home or modified hours or, or some accommodations there. Um, as great as we are about making pregnancy a condition, there's actually little to no legislation that protects a breastfeeding person. And there's absolutely no legal precedent for saying, oh, you were pregnant and now you're breastfeeding. Like we don't recognize that transition legally in any in any state in this country, so we're working on that. But um, we need to work on it more. Yes, that is going to vary greatly from person to person depending on those circumstances. But be okay with it being the fourth trimester experience. You know, it might take longer. Um, Forty days in some cultures. You know, for mom to just be with that that little person before she comes back out into the the community. So there is there is no real set timeline, I would think, but Certain things will happen, you know, in, in several days or weeks after that, um, that should. And, and your OP or your, your midwife can kind of help you through those uh, timelines, depending on what it is. But, um, yeah, just give yourself that grace in the time that you need. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And we'll, we'll kind of get in a little bit more of like care right now. Um, so, like, when when you're getting through that process as you're, as you're recovering from it, realize that a lot of your ligaments, because of the hormones that have been released, um, your ligaments are still going to be very lax. So moms, like you're probably still going to have some, some dysfunction movement. There's just so much more change that's happening in your body. You're losing a lot of weight. Um, I mean, you've gained a whole bunch of weight that's been just very anterior in the body. A lot of times moms will get diastasis recti, you have weakening from pelvic floor muscles, um, different things. And so getting on a regimen that really allows you to take control of your body until work, where you were, 
is, is going to make a big difference. And again, exercising during pregnancy, something that I recommend for sure. I know a lot of moms who've done it. And I mean, so many different amazing resources that we can refer you to for birth fit, different things like that. Um, intrinsic core exercises and deep breathing exercises that really focus on not on the outside, but focus on like these, these small muscles on the inside can make such a huge difference in your recovery and strengthening. I know I see a lot of these things and my, my, I want to talk about my mom. My mom had six children. I mean, bless her heart. Your mom had six kids, right? Uh, five, five, five kids. Okay. So, I mean, both moms had a lot of children. I remember my mom telling me, she's just like, I can't jump on the tramp anymore because I had six kids. Because of you. And, yeah, because of you. And I mean, yeah, there, there may be, you may never get back to where you were before having those children. But I mean, working through the pelvic strengthening, the pelvic floor strengthening exercises, stuff like that, being on a regimen like that, also working on intrinsic core musculature can make a big difference in just your recovery, feeling confident in yourself again, mm-hmm. feeling like you have control of your body. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I mean, kind of re- reducing viewing the, the birthing process as a very traumatic experience. And I think that's important. Yeah. And I think what your mindset is, I am leaving maidenhood and, and the body that I had and the lifestyle I had before, and I'm choosing this path of motherhood. I think a lot of stress comes when they're trying to keep that previous lifestyle or return to it. And the fact is, they're still moms. Like, they're going to have that identity on some level, whether they accept it or not, that's where your body and your, your mind start to stress out about, we, we can't keep one foot in both worlds. So let's let go of, of that. Embrace the, the new motherhood journey. Realize that you're different. Realize that it's, this is your superhero origin story. Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. I, that's what happened. You're, uh, I mean, like, you're the flash. You just got whatever that little explosion thing was. And yeah. All, all that, that stuff. This is your, you're now a superhero. Act like a superhero. Don't think about being yeah. a, a non-superhero anymore because you are a superhero. Yes, yeah. and your husband there. is coming with you too. He's your sidekick. Yeah, he's he's there. At Dr. He's, he's Robin to your Batman. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you're always the you're the Batman expert. So if you say yeah. so, you're <laughs> sort of Robin of Batman. I like Robin a lot. Okay. So tell me a little bit about like. Um, I mean, more just on, is there anything else about like sex after maybe you want to talk about? Yeah. So physiologically, in addition to just communicating things, um, having that open communication, you can ask, you know, your doctor, your, your birth workers, when it's okay to return to intimacy after that, but realize that that will look different for a little bit. Um, if mom is breastfeeding and I really hope she is because there's so much good that comes from that, um, that's going to change the hormonal outlook of the next few weeks um, or months and hopefully years um, if she's able to do that. But breastfeeding increases estrogen, which um, decreases the elasticity and lubrication of the vagina. And so it, it'll be necessary for a while to use more lubricants and, and take things a little bit more slowly, depending on the type of birth that she's had. That's just something you're going to have to communicate on. Um, but recognize that those hormones are going to change things temporarily. It'll almost mimic the symptoms of menopause. So she might have some hot flashes, night sweats, all that stuff. This doesn't mean that your body's falling apart. It's going to be like that forever, but there are a lot of hormonal changes that are going through. And so, yeah, if she's a furnace in the middle of the night, dad, like, sorry, she needs some space. And, you know, maybe the cuddling can wait until she's 90 million degrees. Yeah, no cut. But I'm a huge fan of co-sleeping for that reason, because the body regulates, you know, that when that 
little baby has access to the food that it needs. What about moms who are afraid of smothering their baby? That is a very common talking point from the media. Um, and in tragic instances where it has occurred, um, usually alcohol is involved or sleep aids, you know, where one or both parents are taking drugs or medications that suppress those reflexes, um, or they're in such a deep sleep that that, that doesn't happen healthily. Uh, babies are pretty, they're pretty feisty. They can stand up for themselves. Um, but in instances where baby has, has um, had issues like that, they eat so much formula that it just sits as a huge knot in their gut and they their blood sugar does all kinds of crazy things basically puts them in an insulin coma yeah. and they don't have that waking response breast milk does not do that so if your baby is suckling cluster feeding throughout the night and kind of comfort latching um, that's what keeps mom and baby in this light state of sleep to safely co-sleep it's what we've been doing for hundreds of thousands of years on this planet and it's worked great um, and so we're so afraid of it now. Yeah. Now this is the, the experiment is happening now. The experiment is all kinds of, of issues. You see these cute Instagram stories about, oh, this African tribe, they never set their baby down and they're with them and they never have an incidence of depression or anxiety. And it's like, well, yeah, because they're all so bonded and connected with that. That's Always being cool. like right here. They're in the little kangaroo pouch or whatever. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. I'm oh, like, that's what we used to do. So I'm a huge advocate of that. This podcast isn't about co-sleeping. We can do one if you guys are really interested in that. But there's some great resources on that. Definitely worth looking into. Um, contrary to popular belief, it's not dangerous. It doesn't scorch your sex life to zilch. It's it's really something that um, would be worth looking into, especially if you're struggling with some, some postpartum depression, of just not even being isolated from those eight hours from your baby. Um, sometimes mom can feel all touched out and like way too, yeah, too snuggled. Yeah, we're still uh, way too connected, but that is going to increase oxytocin, which is going to increase prolactin, which is going to increase breast supply. And so all that stuff is, is really, really good. A lot of benefits there. Um, I do want to kind of throw a little bit back to, we, you talked about using more lube, um, I mean, after, after birth and stuff, um, recommendations there, be careful about what lubes you're using. Okay. Yes, got to realize down there is a, it's an environment that just went through a, an experience, and uh, you need to be careful about what toxins you're putting back in because remember that's all going to be fed back into the baby's the breast milk. Yep. Um, so I mean, my recommendation, and this very much depends on the person. If you have any um, allergies or anything to that, it there's there's other things you can use, but I mean, coconut oil. Mm-hmm. I've always had very good experience with coconut oil. Coconut oil is an antifungal. And it does have some antibacterial aspects to it as well. So it can be a very good. And that's phenomenal used during birth as well to reduce yeah. the possibility of tearing because you're moisturizing those tissues there. They're, they'll become expansive and, and elastic, you know, as baby is, is progressing through yeah. the pelvic brim. Um, but yeah, that can definitely help with, with rupture. I'm a huge, huge like fan of using just natural, organic, really refined oils. And I mean, just depends on the person, allergies, stuff like that. How does your body respond to it? Yeah. But a lot of times when people are just, oh, don't put anything down there like that. Um, I mean, look at the other stuff that's in the, the lubes that you're probably yeah. in the store. Yeah. But what do you think, you know, really heavy PBAF, PBDEs, yeah. you know, a lot of silicone based products have a lot of those forever chemicals yeah. that are just so hard. Even to the water based ones well. still have just a lot of, a lot of different. Yeah, garbage in them. Yeah. And realize that a low libido is kind of nature's first birth control, basically. Yeah. It's saying, hey, you've got a baby to take care of. 
There's other things that you need to be focused on right now than sex, and that's okay. Um, but working through that part, I definitely don't want you to feel like you're just a roommate with your spouse at this stage. And there's a lot of other ways that you can feel um, connected and intimate. Um, and so explore some of those. Go out to dinner. Go on a walk together. I mean, there's things that you can do that will create that bond and that feel. Um, but there's also that's part of the healing process is that return to intimacy. And it should happen with a lot of communication and just understanding kind of physiologically, you know, it had an experience like you it said, had an experience. there's a lot of trauma and things down there. Had so. an experience. <laughs> Let's talk about breastfeeding. Okay. That is one thing that Caleb, uh, that Dr. Valdez and I have had many conversations on. I know he's very passionate about it. <laughs> I've become a lot more passionate about it. Explain that a little bit to me. Like what are the, what are the intricacies? Why is it important? So first of all, mom has a library of antibodies in her body of every disease that she's come across in her life. She's passing that on to her baby. And that breast milk is so crucial to building the early immune system for baby. About the first six months that they're under that mom's system. And so whatever she's been exposed to and has recovered from, her body is training baby to be exposed to and recover from that as well. So a lot of the fear mongering that happens in those first six months of life, people just don't understand that their baby has the mom's immune system. And if mom is more or less, you know, protected from those things, yes. the baby's breastfeeding like it should, then great. The problem with formula is it's a bunch of cheap sugar and it's really highly nutritious substance that's just left out in the open for any germ or fungus to kind of take root in. And that, that creates a danger. Um, so with mom's breast milk, it has all of those nutrients just like that, but it's also built in its own little, you know, caravan guard, uh, yeah. you know, all the probiotics, all, all those different things, things in there. That's it's, it's protecting itself. Yeah. It's not going to be infected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why it's so great. As baby's nursing and that milk is going into their mouth, it's going up their nose, it's going in their eustachian tubes, into their ears. It's just bathing all of that with IgGs that are really protective from letting invaders come in and set up shop. It's like why, why a lot of times, um, I mean, different like midwives and things like that will tell their moms, hey, put some, if the baby has that ear infection, um, squirts breast milk in there. Yeah. Because it has those, those IgGs that are really going to, they're going to take care of it. Yeah. And that happens during the natural yeah. you know, transfer of breast milk, but... There's huge science to that effect. Um, if you have some breast milk that you pumped that, you know, is, isn't the freshest or, you know, maybe you have high lactase or something, you're getting ready to, to throw it out. Put a little bit of that in bath water and just soak baby in the, in the you know, do a breast milk bath. That will do so much for skin flora. It clears up eczema. Um, it helps with dry skin. Uh, it's just so protective and healthy for that. So, yeah, huge fan of breast milk baths um, for you know, if, if you're just going to throw some out. So hopefully you don't though, please don't. Cause that stuff is liquid gold. So. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a reason why bodybuilders will buy breast milk. <laughs> um, it's, it's because it is literally liquid. Like, it's so good for you. Yeah. So uh, moms, a lot of times get a lot of stress over the breastfeeding um, issue. And a lot of them want to breastfeed, but everything that they're doing knowingly or unknowingly, is telling their body that they don't want to breastfeed. And then they're stymied when six months into this, their body, their, their supply dries up or they, you know, they, they're low producing or whatever it is. First of all, know that a lot of the voices that are talking about this have a direct interest in you not breastfeeding because they get financial remunerations from you using their products. And so there's a, there's a multi-billion dollar industry that is directly interested in, in foiling your attempt to breastfeed. So if you listen to those industry or their spokespeople, yeah. you're probably not going to be able to breastfeed very long. 
Um, if you find somebody who is passionate about helping you establish and maintain that supply, chances definitely go up from there because um, it's a very common misconception that moms, you know, I'm just not built for breastfeeding. You know, um, it has nothing to do with your bust size, with your physical body size. Um, I, I know a mom who is maybe a buck 10 sopping wet and she lactates like a cow and she's just a yeah. really good producer. So it really doesn't, there's no reason for you to think that, that you can't, um, if that's something you want to do, but moms have so much stress and pressure on them that they feel like they're bad moms if they don't. And that's not what we're, what we're looking for here. So release yourself from, from that expectation. And, and one of the best things about his book, and we'll put a plug into the book again, uh, starting babies, he, he goes through a lot of like the alternatives of stuff. Like if you can't breastfeed, if you're one of those moms who isn't able to, there are a lot of other things that you can utilize that can be just so much better than formula. Because if you look at what's in formula and he kind of goes into a lot of that, those different things in the book and oh my gosh, it just makes you so, we are so specific and so careful about babies. And I know um, in my experience, I've had people who just usually on the, like the later kids, they're just like, oh, everybody have a kid, like pass the kid around. And it's how they used to do it. They used yeah. to be just, everybody kiss the kid. Let's get the kid, eat eat some dirt, chicken pox, yeah, I get the kids together, chicken pox. <laughs> it's, it's all about building your immune system. And now I feel like a lot of times people are so, they're going to wear masks around, they wear gloves around the baby. Are you making sure you're washing your hands multiple times? It's like, I understand that, but but at some point you got to realize like mom and baby need to be exposed to these things so they can build up that, mm -hmm. that memory bank of, of immunity. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to make such a big difference. And then when we're talking about breastfeeding and stuff like that, I mean, besides immunity, mom, what you eat directly goes into that breastfeeding. So first of all, you need to be eating a little bit more. Um, breastfeeding a lot of times in comparison to birth, um, or like growing a pregnancy, uh, like growing a baby, a lot of times, I mean, breastfeeding could be just as taxing or even more taxing calorically on your body than the pregnancy process because you're, this baby is getting big, it's always hungry, and you're literally having to give it all of these calories from your body, from what you eat. And so recognize also if you can make the profile of that, that milk really, really good with the the ingredients you're eating, the things that you're eating, that can make such a huge difference for the development of that baby, for your health, how you feel mentally, physically, how you recover. Um, I mean, so many different benefits that come from that. Yeah. Also recognize that as you are active after, after that, that experience, after birth, um, first of all, I mean, more of those, those different things, those positive hormones that are going through your body as you exercise, as you're active, are also gonna affect the baby too in a very positive way. Yeah. And just so you know, if you ask me anything about caloric needs during that time, I'm going to refer you to this expert. Um, he's, he's my pregnant mama meal planning, you know, expert there. I know that he's going to tell you to prioritize protein and choose high quality fats to get that. So, so important, like for sure proteins and fats. Cause first of all, you got to realize everything in your body is about proteins. Like, and then you look at like, cell membranes and development of nervous tissue, neurological development of your brain, which as a baby is forming, that's why we come out and we, we really don't have much going on. It is so important that you're getting DHA, the EPA, the, the different omega-3s, and just a good lipid profile. Um, I mean, things like coconut oil. I'm a huge fan of red meat, high quality red meats, guys. 
That's organ meats. Organ meats, so good for you, so good for baby. So many vitamins, so many bioavailable nutrients that your body can actually pass on to baby and help mom to repair what's going on inside your body. Yep. You need protein to repair your body. Baby needs protein to grow. Yep. So having enough protein for both you and baby, because if you don't have enough protein in your body, first of all, it'll probably affect milk supply, but also baby's body still needs to grow. So yep. you need to make sure you're getting enough of that. Um, lipid profiles, I mean, Omega-3s, try and get as much of those as you can. And staying away from seed oils is huge at this stage. I was actually doing some research today. Um, baby's palate, as it forms and it spreads, which we need that for healthy breathing and things like that. But a lot of formula companies are introducing seed oil derivatives into their product to get it to be kind of fatty like mom's um, breast milk is, but not... They're not doing it the right way, basically. And those seed oils actually stunt the growth of the hard palate as it's forming. So your kid is more likely to need braces if they're consuming those seed oils earlier on because those bones don't form the way that they're supposed to. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating. I want to throw something in there. A lot of people have been talking about this lately. Saturated fat is not the enemy. Yeah. We, we have to, to throw that out the window. Saturated fat is not your enemy. Butter is good. High quality butter is good. Ghee, clarified butter, stuff like that's really good for you. The saturated fat that's found in high quality animal products, beef tallow, um, I mean, certain duck fat, if you can get really good. Grass-fed beef, the normal yes. grass-fed, grass-finished beef. Oh, yeah. It's more like salmon. I mean, absolutely. It's very high. Goat milk, too. I mean, you look at goat milk, very similar lipid profile to human milk. Um, so, no, right? so many benefits that come from this when you have the right lipid mm -hmm. profile. Because that's going to help in so many of these processes of develop of development for the baby and for the reparation of mom's tissue, yeah. um, helping hormones balance back out. Because, I mean, again, like hormones are built off cholesterol backbones; they need fat. Yeah. So that's why so many people when they go through like a, when they cut down. So moms, I know you want to get back to looking skinny. You want to, you'll get there, but don't do it at the at the expense of your hormones and baby. Yeah. Um, if, if you can help, I mean, I know I'm not in this situation. I don't have to deal with, with that, but take care of yourself. The best way to do it is by taking care of your hormones and, and really making this a process that is sustainable and not freaking your body out like that. One of the biggest hormone disruptors, I think, is this practice of getting right back on oral contraceptives right after birth. And uh, I understand that you're not ready to have another kid that soon afterwards. But um, there was a recent study that showed that, what was it, 41.9% of the moms that they looked at, their um, oral contraceptives, their birth control pills, decreased their milk supply and increased dramatically the cases of suicide and suicidal attempts. And so you want to talk about postpartum depression, messing with your hormone levels like that when it's not ready to have, you know, it's like throwing a hand grenade in a room like yeah, at that point everything is starting to come back to, to stasis and we totally disrupt that system. and i'm not a fan of birth control period i'm much more a fan yeah. of tracking cycle but like yeah. if you're going to use it if, if you can help it not not right after yeah yeah if at all possible so i think more and more society is blaming moms and nature for things that the medical world is setting up, the problems that we're creating for us. And then we start to say, oh, well, if only we had intervened more, this problem would be a problem. If only you were taking, you know, this supplement or this, you know, hormone replacement or this, you know, contraceptive, whatever it is, 
Um, and we need to backtrack really quick because what we're doing is obviously we're on the wrong path. I always talk about that 40% increase in, in mother's mortality over previous years. We are going downhill fast and what we're doing is not working. And the answer is not to do more of it faster. Yeah. So it's, it's to pause, go back to what we know works, look at the data, look at the research, see what is working and do more of that. And it's not high intervention and high medication. So tell me a little bit about well, well baby visits. Um, I mean, you heard a lot about like wellness visits for like, you, you take the kid in to, and they get all these different shots. And I found this video of, of a child going in, it was a little toddler. I said, you, you said, oh, my oh, oh yeah. I mean like seven shots all, I mean, it was just like one after another. And I think a lot of times like moms may, they may want to be on like a modified schedule, something like that. We don't have to get really into all of the stuff right now, but I mean, don't be pressured if you can. I mean, have your plan that you've discussed, that you've decided on before, and don't be pressured into making decisions that, that people try to scare you into. Yeah. I, I was down at a concert in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago, and one of my starving baby moms came up and introduced herself. It's just like, I just need to hear that I'm not crazy. I'm doing the right thing here. And I'm just like, yes. She she just come back from a pediatric you know visit, that one of the well visits that just made her feel like such a horrible parent because she wasn't following their recommendations to the letter. And I just wanted her to know, you are not crazy. You are educated and confident and, and evidence-based. There are a lot of really smart people on your side of the argument. They will gaslight you and make you feel like that's not the case. But I promise you the, the very high income, high education level and high health families that I take care of, they, they see what's going on there. And so you're, you're in a great crowd if you're choosing um, a delayed or an alternative uh, schedule or, or doing something different. And it's different to trust your body's immune system and the way that nature has always done it. Um, the experiment has been started for the last 50, 60 years maybe, and it's not going so great right now. Um, and a normal side effect of well visits is not colic, constipation, rashes, screaming child, sleeplessness, fevers blood disorders, bronchitis, asthma, adenitis, tonsillitis, all the itises, you know, those aren't, those aren't normal side effects from going in and getting something that's supposedly going to keep your baby healthy. Um, and I can almost pinpoint it to the date that the, the kid comes back for another chiropractic adjustment and they're immediately scared of me. They're stressed out about the situation. Mom says, oh yeah, he's just been breaking out all these rashes. We've been having, you know, um, bronchitis, whatever it is. And Almost every time without fail, I'll say, well, when was your, when was the big, you know, visit where they did all that? And, and it's usually within the last week to 10 days and mom notices this flare up and she comes in looking for chiropractic to fix something that medicine created. And that's just not how it works. So yeah, it's sad, but, um, but I, my job is then to just affirm and do the best we can with what we have. It's an added toxin, an added stressor, but I have so much confidence in that body's ability to do the best it can with what, what is going on there. So, I mean, how often do you recommend a baby come in? Um, it depends on the case. And I'm sorry, I always use that word, but a lot of my kids, I'll, I'll see them weekly for, for the first couple months. Um, and depending on what we're working on there and then kind of graduate them down to wellness. For about long. Um, to mom say usually the same and it's really easy for mom and baby to just come in together at the same time same schedule try to keep that pretty well and unless one of them needs a little bit more care or a little bit less that's that typically just works best for the family um and it's kind of like we typically do in our office just hey come in 
you know, weekly until things are improved and yeah. that kind of graduate you down to, to more of a wellness maintenance schedule. So yeah, I think understanding that it's, it, and care needs to be specific to the person. It does. So as much as I, we, we want to give you just like a solid, this is what we recommend for everybody. We can't give you a recommendation. Exactly. For everybody. Everybody's going to be different. How your, how your birth went, it's going to be very different. How postpartum, how you're doing, yeah. it's going to be very different. And, and the different needs, how your body's adapting to certain things, it's going to be different. Yeah. So one thing that, that we can definitely help on and we want you to, and if you need to reach out to someone, there are a lot of moms who've been through the process who are great coaches when it comes to birth fit or getting it, helping with, with meal planning, stuff like that. That's something I can help with is the meal planning. Um, but big, big proponent of, I mean, demonstrate, show, show baby when, when baby is so small, how important it is to take care of their body and taking care of yours. Yeah. Yeah, and we'd be happy to connect you with that community. Or if you just need somebody to tell you that you're not crazy for doing what you're doing, because yeah. it is counterculture. Um, I I think babies, like like we said, they're entitled to be born sober, and um, we should not be shooting them up with all that. I think they deserve to see their mom and dad when they come out. We shouldn't be smearing that you know silver nitrate cream on their eyes, that yeah. goop. That unless there's a reason for that, why do we do things just because everybody else is doing them? Yeah. It's like, we don't recommend the same care plan for everybody. So why do we recommend the same birth for everybody yeah. in the medical field? They're very different circumstances. And your expertise as a doctor is to be able to differentiate when to use different treatment techniques yeah. and when those things are appropriate. Should not be the same thing for every single person. Yeah. And, and babies should stay with mom. They should, they should have access to quality lactation consulting services and this is going to be a little bit of a touchy issue, but I think babies deserve to have their genitals remain intact. So we could talk about that <laughs> another time. <laughs> Circumcision and stuff. Uh, but, I mean, slowly I've been... We don't have many things that we disagree on. That is one of those things that we, uh, we've talked a little bit about. And the problem is, is that I know he's smarter than me in this situation. And so I, I kind of have to defer, and it's just me finding it. I agree so, to an agree. Yeah, you agree. So I do want to talk to dad real quick. Um, one thing I hear all the time, and people love to tell it to me, they said, when you have kids, um, you're going to get fat, or like, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to work out. I understand I'm not going to be able to spend my typical amount of time in the gym. I'd be nice to typically spend anywhere from, from an hour to, to two hours to two and a half hours sometimes um, with, with, with different things that I'm working on, depending on what my goals are. But first off, you don't have to put in that amount of time to stay healthy. It is your responsibility to be healthy, to be the provider. Um, I mean, have healthy meals set up for mom too. Like you need to eat healthy too. Now take care of yourself. Take care of mom, be the provider, be the protector, and and do that by staying hard, in my opinion. Staying, staying in control of yourself. I, I understand that sleep is gonna be probably affected a little bit. It's like, but you can still you can still go on a walk. You can still go on a walk. Take baby on a walk. Okay? If you need to push mom on a stroller. <laughs> All right, take her out, let her get some air, okay? You, I can't wait to see how you do this. I, 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 it's, no, it's gonna just like come back to bite all these things. But like, first off, there are so many different quick exercises and workouts you can do just to keep yourself fit and 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 staying on top of things like this. Because remember, kids learn from their parents, mm -hmm. and dad, you need to you need to be that protector for mom and and really take care of yourself. Um, and I mean, I saw that with my dad, like 
having six kids, my, my dad really was able to maintain. And, and even though it was a very stressful time with all the different things he was working on, um, he was still able to maintain that, that healthy. And my mom, what a saint of a woman. I mean, just my mom's like 103 pounds uh, <laughs> right now, just sopping wet. And like had six children and some of us were pretty big. I think my, my former was like nine pounds, six ounces. <laughs> that poor woman. <laughs> but like my mom was very specific in just the nutrition aspect of it. And that's where I got such a love and a respect um, for this, this aspect of things is watching my parents and how they handled it. And anytime anybody tells you, well, you're not going to be able to do that when this happens. You know, there are some, there's some concessions that might be made, but first of all, that's them telling you that you can't control yourself. You can control yourself. You need to control yourself. Yeah. Learn that discipline. Life is about being able to make the hard decisions, make the hard decisions. And a lot of times moms are the ones that are setting meal plans and we're doing the meal prep and all that stuff. I would love for dads to be more involved in that because I mean, we have this diabetes epidemic right now, you know, and and gestational diabetes should be a wake-up call to mom that, hey, you're way too heavy on the processed carbs, refined foods. Let's prioritize proteins and get healthy fats. Yeah. And if dad can follow that tip ticket as well, I guarantee you he's going to be feeling better. It's it's They kind of go sure. in the same direction. And yeah. so 50% of moms who are diagnosed with um, gestational diabetes go on to develop type 2 diabetes later on in life. And that that's completely curable with diet change and some exercise. A third of Americans right now are pre-diabetic. Oh yeah, and and if mom develops gestational diabetes, the the likelihood of her baby developing type two diabetes later on in life is six times more. So she's crazy. That right there is a turning point where it's like, oh, you're pre-diabetic or you have gestational diabetes. It doesn't just mean you're going to have a big baby and you need to plan for a C-section. That should be like, wow, I need to dial back the carbs, really turn up the proteins and fats, and we need to start exercising together, honey, because we're not on a good path and our kid is not going to inherit anything healthy from this lifestyle. If we change nothing about it. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's such a, so the goal should always be stable blood sugars throughout pregnancy. There's no reason to drink their silly little sugar, you know, polysorbate 80 preservative lady yeah. diabetic drink. Uh, there's so many other ways to do that. Please trust me on that. You don't, you don't need to do that to your body to figure out if you're, Get good high quality whole food sources, guys. Yeah. Um, and dad, I mean, I would really love to hear what what moms think about a dad who knows how to cook. I mean, dad, if you, if you need to, if you need to just like do something to, I don't know, get the mood on or something. Just take off your shirt, throw on an apron, be 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 Mister Dad for a little bit, and then get in that kitchen and just throw down and, and make her something that she's gonna feel like. Oh my gosh, this makes me feel great. Yeah. I feel good eating this. That you feel good. Um, again, take control of the different things. And this is a lot of stuff you could talk about before you get to that point. So you don't have to deal with it when it comes up to that point. Cause I feel like a lot of times people are just, Oh, I'm so tired. I just want to go and get takeout. Yeah. And you go and you hit Taco Bell for the eighth time this week. And it's just, there's so many different things that you got to understand with that, that the crap that you're putting in your body is directly going to affect baby. It's going to affect you. It's going to affect your recovery. It's going to affect your hormones. Yeah. Don't drink your carbs and don't get, don't consume naked carbs. Don't just have carbs for carbs sake. Always pair it with fat and a for the love protein. just because juice is sweetened by fructose by fruit does not make it good for you. <laughs> 
kind of rough one at this yeah <laughs> i'm just i'm staring in the camera and looking at everybody including my father who i love dearly just because it says 100 percent grape juice does not mean that it's good for you <laughs> sad but guys it's just sugar <laughs> All that's happening is you just took all of the fiber out of it, which I'm not a huge like fiber person, but like <laughs> you, the fiber at least helps mitigate some of that insulin, that insulin spike. Right. You're just drinking sugar. <laughs> You're killing me. Okay. So just to recap, this is a great episode, by the way. Thanks for the questions. Um, postpartum depression, totally predictable, manageable, curable, if you want to call it that. Um, and preventable, most most importantly. If we talk about these things, we communicate beforehand throughout labor delivery, and then postpartum, let's have that communication, lean into those hard talks. Things are going to be different. This is your new normal. Um, welcome to normal, like my mom says. It's, it is life, uh, but there's a lot of things that you can do. Nesting is not about the nest. It's about building the tree. Build the community. Find a branch that you can lean on. And instead of painting a nursery, why don't you prep a few meals and throw those in the freezer? Um, think about healthy, you know, low-carb, high-protein, high-quality fat um, intake there. Breastfeeding is one of the best things we can do for regulating Low-carb in certain aspects. Very much depends. And, and low-carb will... If, if you need recommendations on certain things, because mom, you are, especially depending on how active you are, um, again, very much, but yeah. the, the principle of prioritizing protein and fats, high quality protein and fats in your meals is very sound advice. Right. So, yeah. Great. Hopefully you guys learned some stuff. I always love hearing his. I his definitely learned some stuff right there too. So <laughs> cool. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, if you could share us with someone, we'd love to love to get some more people we can reach out to because that's our whole goal is just education. We just want to give as much education out there as we can because anybody knows us, we'd love to talk. So <laughs> great. Send us your likes, comments, you know, thoughts, questions, concerns, any issues that you're having postpartum life or memories from when your kids were little. We love to tackle those issues with you. And, give and if you're in Lehigh, Saratoga, this area, Utah Valley, come see us. We'd love to see you, get to know you, and be able to provide some care for you. Have a great day, guys.